What up, son? It's the tail of the tapes. The fuck life. Saying. Tale of the Tape, Season 2, Episode 38. On today's episode, we got ODB and MAC-10. So for anyone who by chance happens to not be aware, ODB is Old Dirty Bastard, original nine member of the Wu-Tang Clan. So let's get right into my personal opinion of these artists here as we do at the start of each week. I've personally always loved ODB, although, admittedly, I mostly just found him hysterical. <laughs> I do have a confession to make, though. Dirty's sophomore solo and final album in 1999 is one of my top 25 personal favorite hip-hop albums of all time. That is a fact. So again, I always loved ODB, was highly entertained by not only his music, but him as a person. But my expectations of him in this study were pretty low, so we'll have to see if that factor holds true. And as far as MAC-10 goes, I'm not going to lie, I really know nothing whatsoever of MAC-10. Um, I, I had heard the name before, possibly maybe a song or two here and there, but nothing that I could think of off the top of my head. I don't really remember hearing any of his songs, so I didn't really have much of a prediction or an expectation for MAC-10 going into this study, to be quite honest with you. So, both of these artists on today's episode came out in 1995, but ODB's debut album was released first, so we'll start off with him. Born Russell Tyrone Jones, November 15, 1968, in New York City, United States. Died November 13, 2004, in New York City, United States. Other names, ODB, Aeson Unique, Dirt McGirt, Dirt Dog, Osiris, and Big Baby Jesus. Years active are listed as 1992 to 2004. And his genres are listed as hip-hop and hardcore hip-hop. So, let's check out some background info on ODB now. Russell Tyrone Jones, November 15, 1968 to November 13, 2004. Better known by his stage name Old Dirty Bastard, often abbreviated as ODB, was an American rapper. He was one of the founding members of the Wu-Tang Clan, a rap group primarily from Staten Island, New York City, which rose to mainstream prominence with its 1993 debut album, Enter the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers. His professional success was hampered by frequent legal troubles, including incarceration. He died on November 13, 2004 of an accidental drug overdose two days before his 36th birthday. Old Dirty Bastard was noted for his outrageously profane, free associative rhymes delivered in a distinctive half-wrapped, half-sung style. His stage name was derived from the 1980 Chinese martial arts film Old Dirty and the Bastard, also called An Old Kung Fu Master, starring Yuan Su Tian. So first of all, I feel inclined to point out that Dirt Dog and I share the same birthday, which I was not aware of prior to this study, so... Yay! That's pretty cool. Maybe being born on November 15th has something to do with being a weirdo, because although I don't portray it in my music the way Dirt McGirt did, I'm certainly pretty out there. <laughs> as far as Dirty's background, we see some stuff that most people probably are already pretty aware of. Um... 
obviously got his fame and start with Wu-Tang and then ventured on his own solo quest, which he did well with. But like it states in the read-up, lots of legal trouble, jail time, drug problems, etc. like that. So that limited his catalog to just two solo albums before he unfortunately passed away. So I just got to give a shout out to ODB, man. One of the most original artists to ever grace the scene, no question. An obvious rest in peace to the Dirt Dog for sure. Now, let's read up on my breakdown of ODB. What is there to not say about ODB? Let's start off with how absolutely hysterical and entertaining he was, not only on his songs, but every single time you saw or heard him. Surprisingly to me, a big Dirt Dog fan, he actually had more decent lines than I expected, but as we all know, he also had very many that didn't rhyme, didn't make any sense, didn't exist, or quite frankly weren't even a known human language. I never saw someone be so good at being so bad. He was very random and sporadic, and bar A didn't always have anything to do with bar B, or any other bar in the verse or song for that matter, but in his defense this seemed to be somewhat by design. Was he great lyrically? Certainly not but I think he played on his image a bit and preferred to stay true to his style rather than focus on being technically good all the time and finish way below average lyrically. Between himself and the Wu-Tang Clan, he registered five qualifying albums. Three were average, one was good, and one was great. Of the 46 songs he was a part of, none were great, eight were good, and six were weak. With influences on artists such as Tame One, Eric Sermon, Master Ace, Timbo King, Tragedy Gaddafi, Prodigy, Shaq, Snoop Dogg, Buckshot, Wyclef Jean, Shaheem, Jusala, Missy Elliott, Fredro Starr, Bun B, Common, AG, Ghostface Killer, and Vado. His impact on the hip-hop game was heavy in more ways than one, and had he not been so unique... I also believe this list would be even longer. In all honesty, anyone who was an immediate member of Wu-Tang can only receive so low of a score in this category, and he was certainly an instrumental part of the group on top of everything else he brought to the game for the first time. The man was original in every single possible way that you could be, from his style, sound, and image, to his slang, delivery, and everything else in between. It is a guarantee that there never was before nor will be after another quite like Dirt McGirt. So let's get into the math here for ODB because a lot of this is pretty interesting. So lyrics, he gets a three. Like I spoke about, I mean, this is not something, I'm not trying to be an asshole here, but there are just countless times where Dirty just doesn't even say anything. He'll just burp instead of dropping bars or... He'll just make some sort of just do crazy noises. Again, I'm not saying that to be a dick. I'm just saying when you talk about lyrics and you talk about technical skill and things like that, the man was was well below average. Now, again, let's take something into consideration here. We don't have all that big of a body of work. And in that time frame, this man was able to, to burp on bars and not say things and make ridiculous noises and just repeat things and say things that make absolutely no sense at all to any other human being on planet Earth. 
and he still gets a three, which I'm telling you right now is not even the lowest lyrical score just to what I'm up to. So, again, for somebody to, to do that on, on songs repetitively, all the time, this was something that Dirty did very regularly, and still get a three and beat out some other people who are not making noises and not burping on bars and are actually just trying to rap and shit... You know, I don't know if it says a lot about Dirty or it says something a lot about the other people. I won't really get into that. But again, just technically speaking, skill-wise, what he presented to the table, syllables counted, rhyme schemes, dope lines, metaphors, punchlines, run-on bars, shortcuts, topics being able to be kept, uh, stories being able to be told, just on and on and on. He gets a three lyrically. Albums, he gets a 3.76 with zero classics. And like we spoke about, I believe it was five albums in total. I think three of those were with Wu-Tang and two were solo. Um, Three average albums, one good album, and one great album. I don't particularly off the top of my head remember which was which. Um, If I had to guess, it was probably a Wu-Tang album that was great. But I, I don't know that for sure off the top of my head. So don't quote me. I do have the information written down. I could go find it. But I don't deem that to be extremely important right now. Um, but that's still that still averages out to an above average score for the albums department there. So pretty good with the albums for Dirty. Again, you know, you're doing these crazy things on these songs and stuff like that. And you're still getting good album scores and even registered a great album. So... You know, I don't want to make it sound like it's all bad here for Dirty. I mean, he's doing these crazy outlandish things, but his scores are not that bad considering. Songs, he gets a minus 1.3, which is pretty significant. That's over a whole point. Um, That came because 46 songs in total, no great songs, but there were six weak songs, which that's not that crazy. Again, considering what this guy did on the majority of his songs and stuff like that, the fact that he only really dropped six weaker songs his entire career. Again, I just don't think it's that bad considering how outlandish he was and how just blatantly ridiculous he was on a lot, a lot of songs. Impact, he gets an eight and a half. And again, this, this can't be debated. This could even be close to a nine. Because not only an original nine member of Wu-Tang, which Wu-Tang is probably the most influential, impactful group in hip-hop history. I don't say that because I come there, and I don't say that because I'm the biggest, biggest fan of Wu-Tang. I've said it at the beginning of every episode. You know, I wasn't a giant Wu-Tang fan, have a major amount of respect for their movement, and like the majority of their music, I just want to be clear that coming from where I came from... I wasn't on the Wu-Tang bandwagon the way that most of the rest of Staten Island was, is all I'm trying to say. I liked Wu-Tang. I had most of their albums. I might have had all of their albums. Um, So I did. I fucked with them. It's just that they weren't my favorite thing out the way that everybody else was obsessed with Wu-Tang that was from Staten Island. So again, not only part of a major movement, but an instrumental part of a major movement. One of the more popular guys in the group also had solo success. You see not only a long list of names of artists influenced there, but a lot of big names. And again, keep in mind what this guy is leaving there to be sampled, right? He's burping on on verses. He's making noises on verses. He's saying things that aren't making sense at times. 
So, again, you have to keep in mind that this man was obviously bringing something very important to the table for this many big-name people to be either taking something from him or sampling him or quoting him or whatever the case was. So, again, an impactful and an influential dude in more ways than one. It's the list. It's being part of Wu-Tang. It's being one of the more popular members in Wu-Tang. It's the success that he had on his own and... That came both with and without music, right? Because, I mean, only five albums in total, three of them with the group, and there's nine members in the group. So, I mean, how many songs could you really be on on those group albums? A handful, if that. Then only the two solo albums. So, all the popularity that, that ODB had was not just necessarily from his music. He was a character. He had a brand. He had an image. People bought ODB, okay? You weren't buying an ODB album because you wanted hard bars. You knew what you were getting from ODB. You knew what, you, what it was that you were looking to rock with. If you didn't fuck with that, then you didn't buy it. That was fine. But you knew what you were getting when you bought an ODB album. So, he a major, major impact for sure. I don't want to take nothing away from ODB there. Obviously, unfortunately, another one that was taken away too soon and... You know, that's kind of a give and take when it comes to impact because normally, unfortunately, and this is just, you know, human nature, when somebody's gone, their stock rises because they're not here anymore. They're not here to create anymore. That's what that's what these people do, right? That's what artists do. We create things. We create things that are not there yet, whether it's somebody producing their own beats and recording and laying their own stuff and, you know, true artistry that's just coming from one person or whether they're getting beats from somebody else and they're laying things over it and then somebody else is singing and it's a group effort, whatever it may be, we're taking nothing and creating something out of it. So when someone does that and they're no longer here to do that, what they've now left behind automatically becomes more valuable and more of a commodity because no more of it can be created. The person that created it is not here anymore and stuff like that. So that kind of causes your stock to go up a little bit, but it also prevents you from doing future things, right? Like some people say, oh, the impact is only so big or they were only so popular because they died so early. That might be the case. It might not be the case. Unfortunately, we're never really going to know that. If this person was able to stay around, they might have been able to drive their impact to a nine and a half instead of an eight and a half. So, you know, it's tough. It's like saying somebody got fouled. All right, well, you can get shots in the free throw line. Well, what what, what does that mean? Well, your layup might have been a little bit closer, so it might have been a little bit easier to make, but you also had to make it while people were defending you. When you have your foul shot, we won't make anyone defend you, right? But you have to stand behind this line and you have to hit both of them. They're each only worth one point because nobody's trying to block you. So it's just a trade-off. Like, you can't really say what would have or wouldn't have happened. And, you know, you have to just call it for what it is. But again, ODB, a very impactful and influential artist for sure. So that 8.5, well warranted. And originality, he gets a 10. Flat out gets a motherfucking perfect score. And we have just hit a milestone in this podcast because I have not given anyone any 10s or any zeros in anything. And I really had no intentions on ever doing this at all when this study started. I actually said to myself, I'm not giving anybody any zeros or any 10s. And the reason that I didn't want to give anybody a zero or a 10 is because I felt like, you know, not to sound stupid, but we haven't lived through all of existence yet. So we don't know what could come. 
maybe Eminem or somebody else that's, you know, really ridiculous, Big L, whoever we've covered recently, somebody, a really dope lyricist, right? Maybe somebody in 1980 didn't think that something like that was possible, but now today we have people doing it. So you never know what can come in the future. So for me to turn around and give somebody a 10 is to say that at no point in the future can anyone ever do anything better than that. And I don't want to lay that down. I don't want to say that, that no, nobody can do something better than that. Just because I can't see it happening now doesn't mean that in 73 years, somebody doesn't come out that was better than whoever the top lyricist is right now or whoever the top lyricist winds up being at the end of the day, right? We, we have no idea. So I didn't want to give any 10s or any zeros because it just doesn't leave any room for anything to get better or any worse. And that's just obviously not realistic. The reason I gave ODB a 10 was because there was nothing else really that anybody could do that would make them more original than this guy. And let me explain why I'm saying that, okay? Every possible way that you could go about being original, your voice, your delivery, your song topics, your sound, your image, any possible thing, right? He was totally out in absolute left field in every single one of them. Another way for originality, taking things from people, right? ODB never took anything from anybody. He never repeated a line from anybody. He never sampled anybody. He never took a beat from anybody. Again, had he done any of that, had he sampled once, had he took one line from somebody, had he took a, a beat from somebody, right? I would have given him a nine and a half because there would have been room for somebody in the future to come along, be as ridiculous as him. Granted, this is very unlikely that this would happen. Be as ridiculous as him in every single possible area, but not have sampled anyone and not have repeated a line from anybody and not have taken a beat from anybody, okay? So I would have left room for someone to do that. There is no room left for anybody to do anything that ODB didn't do when it came to originality. He could not have been any more original than he possibly was, period. He earned that 10. He deserved that 10. It's the only 10 I've given, and it's the only 10 I plan on giving. Now, if somebody else does something in this fashion that absolutely forces me to give them a 10 in a particular category, then sure, they'll get a 10. But I have no intentions on giving another one to anyone going forward. So if anybody does get it at any point, it is going to be well, well, well deserved. That's for sure. So you add those five numbers up and you divide by five and that gives you a final rating of 4.79, which leaves ODB in 56th place of 183 artists done overall. So while this isn't a tremendous finish, it's certainly not a bad one. I personally would have never guessed ODB would finish anywhere near this high and I love the guy. And honestly, the fact that you could get a three in any category and still finish inside the top third is pretty amazing, not for nothing. You know, we see those solid, solid scores of eight and a half and 10 for impact and originality, which more than made up for his low lyrical score. So again, big shout out and rest in peace to old dirty bastard man, an absolute fucking legend, no question about it. Now, on to Mac 10. Birth name, Dedrick Damon Rollison. 
Born August 9, 1971 in Inglewood, California, United States. His genres are listed as hip-hop, West Coast hip-hop, and gangster rap. And his years active are listed as 1992 to present. So let's check out a little bit of a background here on MAC-10 and see what this says. Diedrich Damon Rollison, born August 9, 1971, better known by his stage name MAC-10, is an American rapper. He has sold nearly 11 million records combining his solo and group works. MAC-10 made his first appearance on Ice Cube's 1994 Bootlegs and B-Sides compilation on the remix track What Can I Do?, and was a member of hip-hop supergroup Westside Connection along with WC and Ice Cube. Mac-10 is also the founder of independent record label Hubang and Records and got his stage name from the Ingram Mac-10 submachine gun. So, not too much there in general for Mac-10, which I guess I kind of expected, but I was surprised to see that total number of records sold there for Mac-10, so shout out to him for that. I was not aware of that prior to this. And I also never realized prior to this that he was in a group with Ice Cube, but that could be looked at two different ways. Solid that he was able to be involved in that, but another scenario we see where the individual never really able to garner the same success as maybe the group itself or maybe some of its members. So without getting into too much detail on that just yet, let's read up on what I wrote down about Mac-10. I knew of Mac-10's name, but couldn't tell you any of his songs off the top of my head before doing this. When he rhymed a decent amount of words per bar, rhymes were usually simplistic and or random. He was good at keeping a topic on a song when it called for it, but he seemed to struggle with most of the hooks he did, especially early on. He very rarely had many good or bad lines, most of the decent ones he had were nothing special, and most songs were about the same stuff over again. He had a fair amount of run-on bars and took shortcuts a lot, but did improve a little with time and finished average lyrically overall. Mac-10 qualified eight solo albums, two with Westside Connection, and a collaboration with Glasses Malone for a total of 11. Of those 11 albums, four were average and the other seven were good. Of his 145 qualified songs, none were great, 20 were good, and four were weak. While I'm sure he is more popular on the West Coast, Mac-10 certainly isn't a household name, especially for people outside of hip-hop, and his impact on the game wasn't a huge one. He did, however, influence a few artists such as Mace, DMX, and Nipsey Hussle. I found myself wondering how someone like Mac-10 managed to sell as many records as he did when extremely similar guys like Ice Cube were out prior to him and were technically better. Mac-10 was your typical West Coast rapper and didn't bring too much of anything new or different to the game. So let's get right into the math on what I just wrote down for Mac-10. Lyrics, he gets a 5. Like I spoke about, it was a little bit all over the place. Um, he did get better as time went on, which kind of carried him back up to a 5. Because I remember earlier before that, most of what he was doing was like simplistic and average. But at the same time, it was kind of random. There weren't very many good or bad lines, but he had run-on bars and stuff like that. And then later on, he kind of picked it back up and picked himself back to average. So he gets a 5 overall there. Albums, he gets a 3.69, which is almost the same score as ODB got. So an interesting fact there looking at it, how one guy gets a lyrical score of 3 and the next guy gets a lyrical score of 5, which, you know, going by the gaps in this study, that's a huge dramatic difference. But then their album score is almost exactly the same. 
And that was even gone about different ways. ODB with the three average, one good, and one great. And uh, Mac-10 had four average and seven good. No great albums. So it is odd to me to see how the math adds up sometimes where you get these totally different scenarios that wind up being very similar. Songs, Mac-10 gets a minus .28, which is you know just over a quarter of a point. That's a small amount that's going to hardly affect this score, but obviously it could have been a plus .28 or a plus whatever, which is a difference of a, you know over a half a point. That's where you start getting points in your score there, where you know a half a point and over, you start to see some changes in the final score. Like I said, anything over plus or minus a full point is where it starts to get a bit dramatic and you start to you know, really lose more than you should. You know, you, you don't want to be minus in, a, in an area where you could be plus. This is the only category where you can get minus points. And a decent amount of people do get minus points. So it's just good to stay on the plus side of that. Impact, he gets a four and a half. And quite frankly, that's mainly just due to how many records he sold. Because everything else, it kind of would have leaned probably closer to a four. And that's not to say that any one of those albums really did remarkable, but they obviously all did pretty good. 11 albums, 11 million records sold. So that's an average of a million records sold on every album, which I'm sure that that's probably not exactly what it comes out to, but I mean, the, the stats on that are impressive. That That's a pretty ridiculous and impressive stat. So I don't want to downplay that at all. And I felt like just the fact that he sold that many records kind of carried him to right under average right there because... Everything else would have probably brought him to a four. Only three names there of artist influence. Uh, not a household name. You know, no major records sold or records broken. Uh, awards, things like that. So there are a lot of things that were leaning more towards the below average side. But the 11 million records sold in total, I felt, was enough to give him an extra point back up there. And bring him to a four and a half. And then originality, he gets the same score, four and a half. I mean... This just kind of was a combination of a little bit of everything. It's not that Mac-10 bit anything from anybody or took a lot of lines from people or anything like that, but he didn't really bring much of anything of his own to the table. It was just a lot of it was just typical West Coast from the image to the overall song sound to the message and the content, the song topics and things like that. Um, it was just a lot of very typical stuff. Obviously, the fact that he didn't take a lot of things from a lot of people and stuff like that obviously gave him a little bit, and that's, again, why he's back up to that 4.5 mark instead of being down by a 4 or a 3.5 or something like that. So a little bit of give and take, but just below average in those last two categories there for MAC-10. And then you add all those five numbers up, and you divide by 5, and that gives you a final rating of 3.48 which leaves Mac-10 in 166th place of 183 artists done overall. So that's certainly not an ideal finish for anyone, but again, this is a classic example of mostly average scores around the board or even just below, and we know all too well now at this point in the study where scores like this leave you, so I don't think any real surprise there on the finish for Mac-10. If you had a predisposed expectation of him or he's one of your favorite rappers, then maybe this does come as a great surprise. I apologize to you. And I didn't dislike Mac-10, nothing against Mac-10, but I got to add the math up the way it is, and that's where he lands. So last week was our first episode where we officially cut down our overall list from a top 15 to a top 10%. So 
from here on out, we will be sticking with our top 10% overall for a while. In our top spot, we have Big L, who's in 5th place of 183 artists done overall. Directly behind him is Nas, who's in 6th place. Couple slots back from Nas in 8th is Method Man. Couple slots back from Meth is Black Thought of The Roots, who's in 10th. Directly behind Black Thought, we have a tie between Tupac and Biggie, who are in a three-way tie for 11th place. Behind them in 15th, we have Pharaoh Manch. Behind Pharaoh is KRS-One, who's in 18th. And behind KRS in 22nd is Jizza. A couple of slots back from Jizza is Slick Rick, who's in 24th. And a couple of slots back from him in 26th is Rakim. Directly behind Rakim is Redman in 27th. And directly behind him in 28th is Common. And behind him in our last spot, we have MF Doom, who's in 31st place of 183 artists done overall. So, after a couple of insane weeks over the past month or so, neither of these artists today able to crack our top 10%. Now on to our current top 10% lyrically overall, and there are no changes to this list today either. So in a three-way tie for our top spot, we have Pharaoh Manch, Black Thought of the Roots, and Nas, all with lyrical scores of 8.5. Behind them in fourth, we have Method Man with a lyrical score of 8. In a four-way tie for fifth place behind Method Man, we have Master Ace, Jizza, Common, and Big L, all with lyrical scores of 7.5. Behind them, in a tie for ninth place, we have KRS-One and Lord Finesse, who both got lyrical scores of 7. And then in a 10-way tie for 11th place, we have Will Smith, Rakim, Cool G Rap, Everlast, Tupac, Redman, Sticky Fingers of Onyx, Lazy Bone of Bone Thugs and Harmony, Biggie, and Tame One, who all got lyrical scores of 6.5. This list is really starting to shape up here with some incredible lyricists. And I'm sure as time goes on and this list eventually gets lowered to a top 5%, you're really going to see the best of the best lyrically here. So shout outs to these guys hanging on to top spots here for sure. Now let's get into our particular decades list, starting with our top 5 rappers to make their debut in the 1980s. So your top 5 rappers of the 80s are KRS-One, Slick Rick, Rakim, Rev Run of Run DMC, and LL Cool J. Shout out to the legends that paved the way for sure. Now our top five artists to make their debut in the 90s so far. In our top spot, Big L, Nas, Method Man, Black Thought of the Roots, and in a tie for our last spot, we have Tupac and Biggie. So again, no changes to either of these lists today. Now let's get into our new list that we started this session of our top three artists from each region of the country. Starting with our East Coast, your top rapper to come out of the East Coast thus far is Big L from Harlem, New York. Behind him we have Nas from Queens, New York. And then in our last spot we have Method Man from Staten Island, New York. Moving over to our West Coast, your top artist to come out of the West Coast thus far is Tupac from Marin County, California. Behind him, we have Ice Cube from Los Angeles, California, and behind him, Everlast, also from Los Angeles, California. Moving down south, your top rapper to come out of the south so far is Andre 3000 of Outkast from Atlanta, Georgia. Behind him, Big Boy, also of Outkast and also from Atlanta, Georgia. In our last spot, Scarface of the Ghetto Boys from Houston, Texas. 
Moving over to our Midwest, your top artist to come out of the Midwest thus far is Common from Chicago, Illinois. Behind him, we have Crazy Bone of Bone Thugs and Harmony from Cleveland, Ohio. And in our last spot, Lazy Bone, also of Bone Thugs and Harmony and also from Cleveland, Ohio. So, no changes to any of these lists today, which is fair. We've had some amazing finishes week after week lately. And that obviously can't happen every week. So, every now and then we'll have to take a finish like this. But I really, you know, ODB, just one of my personal favorites, man. And, you know, we got the uh, 11 million records sold from Mac 10. So, shout out to both of these guys today, man, for sure. If you'd like to see any of these lists in full, you can give the Facebook website a visit at www.facebook.com slash tale of the tapes podcast. You can give that page a like. You can follow for, you know, upcoming schedule of artists, um, updated lists, just all things like that. You can also give the host website a visit at www.anchor.fm slash tale of the tapes. Both of those links are spelled completely normally. On the host website, you'll see a support button. I appreciate anybody that hits that and sends some dough my way. And that's it for episode 38. Next week, we are off for the holidays. So everybody enjoy their break from work or whatever it is that you got going on and enjoy your family or your time or whatever you choose. Um, When we return in the new year, we will start off with Ski Low and the Bee Gees. The Bee Gees is a group consisting of BG and Lil Wayne from the Hot Boys. So I'll talk more on that in the new year. Tale of the Tapes. Peace. Tale of the Tapes. Might as well.